Good morning. Welcome to worship at Noblesville First. We are so glad you are joining us for worship this morning and hope that your hearts are awakened and ready to be in worship today. We are so glad you are here. We invite you first, if you have a connection card that you received this morning, make sure to fill that out to be collected here in a while. Take note of what's on there. See if something speaks to you that you might get involved with here in our many ministries. And also, we do welcome those joining us online and remind you that you may also register your, your attendance online or on our app. So please let us know that you are here today and welcome. Now, please stand as you are able and join us in our call to worship. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all you people. With shouts of joy, we celebrate the good news of God's love. Open your hearts to the warmth of God's redeeming love. God has poured such wonder into our lives. Come, let us worship God with hearts and souls and voices. Let our praise ring to the rafters and ascend to the heavens. Amen. Let's join together in singing our opening hymn of praise.
peace of Christ be with you. Won't you turn to someone around you and offer them a sign of the Lord's peace? Please join together in a call to prayer. Gracious and loving God, we give thanks for the beauty of autumn that speaks to us of your goodness. 
and your desire to provide all our needs. Renew our sense of gratitude for every gift you offer us. And for the gift of Christ Jesus, who teaches us how to walk in the world with grace and compassion for all we meet. Receive our love and empower us to live gratefully each and every day. Amen. Now please join together in a moment of silence and take to God what's on your heart this morning. And then I'll follow with a pastoral prayer. And then we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. Let's pray. Holy Father, in the mighty name of Jesus and by most Holy Spirit, we pray for those who may be hurting or feeling challenged or overwhelmed today. Divine providence comforts us. We feel afraid or anxious or threatened, maybe even angry. It's easy to judge that which makes us feel uncomfortable or rejected, perhaps even feeling more important than our own brothers or sisters. God, it's easy to not like such things until we look in the mirror and realize the deficiency sometimes lies within our very own heart. Forgive us, Lord. We fall short, way short of your glory. Holy Spirit, help us to run from the shadows. Good Shepherd, steer us to your glorious light and to follow your gracious and gentle ways of love, always forgiving as you have forgiven us. Help us to be thankful for all that we do have, including mirrors. But most of all, we are thankful for you, our almighty Lord and Savior, Jesus. Thank you for hearing our prayer, including the Lord's Prayer that we say together now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory 
forever. Amen. hope that you will find some way to get excited about ministry and missions here at Noblesville First and invite you to hear about some opportunities coming up this week and coming weeks where you might plug in somewhere. The first is if you have been downstairs at all, it is beautiful chaos as our United Methodist women are getting ready for the annual rummage sale. I don't know about you, but I spent two hours of my weekend cleaning out closets. So... If you're like me, you may drop off starting today, Monday and Tuesday. The times are there, and then you can come in and shop. I hope that you don't buy more than you donated. If you're like me, you might, but you can shop at the end of the week, and the hours are there. I'm sure they could still use volunteers and, of course, your stuff, because all of that goes to support the missions of our church and community. So please clean out your stuff. We need it. And second, you can also get your Christmas shopping done, not only at the rummage sale, but through our gift card fundraiser. All that you buy from the gift card, some of that will go to support our student and family ministries. 
So you can pick up an order form after worship or in the church office and get your gift cards squared away for the holidays. Noblesville First Moms will be hosting a fall break play date on Wednesday on the playground. So if you have children in your life or someone who you know needs a break to let their children run out some energy like mine definitely does, we hope to see you at 11 a.m. on Wednesday for that time of play and fellowship. And finally, it's time for Trunk or Treat. So if you would like to sign up to decorate your trunk or to pick up candy, please do that. They are collecting candy in the office. Allie's office is already filled with um, candy donations, but we could use more. And um, Trunk or Treat will be on the 30th from 4 to 6. Free candy, games, inflatables, and fun for the whole family. So if you'd like to donate your car, donate candy, or participate in that, please let Allie Hall know or us in the church office. We'd be really happy to have you sign up for that. And now let us give thanks and offer something back to all that we are given. Because none of these mission and ministries would be possible without your generous gifts and donations. So let us pray over those in this moment. Oh God, we give thanks for the many ways that you pour out your generosity in our lives. And so may now we turn our hearts to the ways that we can give something back to you. Whether it is a financial gift, a gift of prayer or presence, or gifts of service and talents, or even donating Halloween candy. We know that you use us in many ways to glorify your kingdom. So send your spirit on the gifts that will be received today. Multiply them. Let them be signs and symbols of God's grace and the mercies of Jesus Christ. This we pray. Amen.
You may be seated. Together we will share in our prayer for understanding as we prepare our hearts for the reading of God's holy word. Let us pray together. Living God, speak to us in the scriptures today that we may hear your voice and heed your call. Amen. Our scripture this morning brings us back to Genesis chapter 38, where we will be reading selected verses, or 37 rather, where we will be reading selected verses from there. Hear now God's word for us today. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of those cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe that he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into one of those cisterns. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. And as they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. Some brothers. Um, His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, we have heard the reading of scripture, but now let's prepare our minds to focus. Won't you turn to your neighbor, smile at them. I know it was cold outside, but hopefully you are warm in spirit. If not, keep it to yourself and repeat (laughs) after me, neighbor. Neighbor. Oh, neighbor. neighbor. Don't write me any notes. Don't pass me any mints. Don't poke me. Don't hunch me. It's time for the word. I need the word. You need the word. I can talk to you later. Amen. I'm going to preach this morning from the theme, I'm a survivor. I'm a survivor. Well, church, last week we kicked off our series, The Big Picture, seeing God's dream for our lives. And we met Joseph, an average Hebrew teenager who did something that changed the course of his life and his family's life. Joseph dreamed. Now, when he saw this dream, did he understand it? Thank you. I tried that at 8.30 and everybody looked at me like, are you going to say something? (laughs) No, he didn't understand it, right? His family didn't get it. But we learned together that God doesn't always give us the full picture because we might get too overwhelmed. And what happens in our scripture today, well, that is proof of exactly that. Here's what happened. 
Joseph's brothers were out in the field putting in a hard day's work. And for whatever reason, Joseph was excluded from this kind of manual labor. Now, as a side note, as a member of the oldest children committee, I'd like to speak to some of you younger children that were always put in a supervisory role over us. I just don't get it. And his brothers didn't get it either. That's why they yelled when he came over, here comes the dreamer, right? Or in the NCG version, not the New International Version, here comes Joseph with his fancy coat and his hot hot latte and his clipboard to spy on us again. Because you see, the last time that they had talked to Joseph, he was telling them that he had a dream where they were all bowing down to him. And now he's back, watching them, ready to take a report back to their father. Now, Joseph's brothers could have responded in a variety of ways. My brother had a sitting technique. You may have heard of this. Whenever someone was sitting in the spot that he had claimed on the couch, he would sit on you until you said uncle and got up and gave him his spot. But see, these brothers didn't practice the sitting technique. They had something far more sinister in mind. They devised a plot to kill him, and even to cover it up. The first move they make is they rip off his coat and they throw him into a pit. Now, just in case you are keeping track, God did not mention any of this when God gave Joseph his dream. There is nothing in the story that hinted at Joseph ending up in a pit fighting for his life. But I think that that's the first lesson that we learn from our text today. Every dream with God won't be a fairy tale. Sometimes we will have to fight. Sometimes we will have to fight for our very lives. Sometimes we will have to fight for our faith, our relationships, our children. Sometimes we will have to fight for the dream that God has revealed as a new possibility. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had moments where it felt like joy or peace or security had been ripped off of you? Times where life pushed you into a deep, dark pit you thought you would never escape from. If you're not sure, consider these characteristics that defined Joseph's pit and may define yours as well. Number one, you know you're in a pit when there are no exit doors. It sounds like Joseph's brothers threw him into an old well, and a well lacks any trap doors, any exit for someone to leave. Number two, you can't be nourished. The Bible reminds us that this pit had no water in it. This was not a place where he would be able to sustain his own life. And number three, intervention is necessary. The only way that Joseph is going to get out of this alive is if somebody intervenes on his behalf. And when we think of Joseph's pit and the pits in our own lives, our first response is to understand it, to try to make sense of it. We ask, why me? Why now? Well, what is God trying to teach me but not Not Joseph. We don't hear any inner monologue asking why he's in this pit. 
why this is happening to him or what lesson God is trying to teach him. And maybe, maybe it's because he's not at a place where he's seeking to understand it. He's just trying to survive it. You see, when we're in a pit, it's not the most convenient time to be introspective, to analyze, to rationalize. We're just trying to stay alive. But Joseph reminds us that we don't have to make sense of something in order to survive it. Comprehension doesn't have to come before survival. It's okay to survive first and connect the dots later. It's okay to live through it first and learn from it later. Because there are moments in each of our lives where simply surviving is all that we can do. But let's get back to the scene of the crime. Joseph's brothers hear a caravan off in the distance, and one of them has the bright idea of pulling him out of this pit and selling him into slavery. Now let's stop right there. Let's not move too far past that point. Because remember, things were looking really, really bad for Joseph. The people that were supposed to love and protect him were plotting to kill him. It was 11 against 1. There was nowhere out. There was nothing there to nourish him. He would need intervention. And he could have easily died in that pit. But he didn't. He made it out alive. Joseph is a survivor. And he's not the only one. His survival is an invitation to us today to remember all of the pits. All of the people, all of the places that we have survived just to get to this point. Just think about it. We've buried loved ones or maybe suffered abuse, lost jobs, lost marriages, health concerns, accidents, addiction, family drama. Maybe you've had private pits that no one even knows about. Any one or a combination of these things could have easily killed your spirit could have made you lose your mind or even your faith but somehow you made it turn to somebody and say you made it okay they didn't hear you try it again turn to somebody else and say you made it we have to say that to ourselves and we have to say it again so that we don't forget the significance of simply surviving Because here it is, we have a misguided understanding of what success really looks like. For many of us, success is not making it out of the pit. It's it's punishing the people who put us in the pit. It's being smart enough to have avoided the pit in the first place. But when that's our definition of success, we fail to honor the strength the faith and the commitment it takes just to survive. And I know, I know that's not the definition of success that we've been given, so let me see if I can show you what it looks like. Come with me to Barcelona, 1992, where we will sit in the stands and watch the 400-meter Olympic semifinal. Watch what happens when the expected winner, Derek Redmond, runs his race. Take a look. Look at this. He's going to try to finish his semifinal race. 
the British have a certain tradition of running, which you have to respect. A bizarre finish to this first semifinal in the men's 400 meters. Derek Redmond of Great Britain pulled up with an injury halfway down the back stretch. He's fighting off those trying to help him to finish the race in his lane. And now the pain too much. throughout Olympic Stadium as Redmond, with assistance this time, approaches the finish line he had wanted so desperately to reach. That is the Olympic spirit. Now, how many of you, by show of hands, would say that he is a failure? Nobody? This is the Olympics. This is where the best of the best throughout the world come to compete and represent their country. And this man has finished in dead last. Now, I'm not a runner, but I can tell you that's not good running form. And you don't think that he's a failure? Well, the crowd would agree with you. Because the crowd was on their feet, giving him a standing ovation, cheering him on as he came in the worst record place of the 400 meters throughout the history of the Olympics. And I wonder, I wonder what it would look like for you to sit in the stands of the pits of your own life and give yourself a standing ovation. What would it look like for you to reframe your definition of success away from the gold medal or first place to simply surviving to the end? You may be limping, you may be hurt or even strained, but you've made it to the finish line. Because you see, if we are to live into God's big picture for our life, there will always be pits. But to survive them, we have to change our definition of what success really looks like. But that's not the only thing that we have to change. We'd be underestimating the true meaning of pits if we just stopped there. Because when they pull Joseph out of that physical pit, they pull him back in to another one. Let's remember the characteristics of a pit. No exit doors. You can't be nourished. And number three, intervention is necessary. And I'd argue that Joseph has been pulled out of that physical pit, but now he's in a spiritual and emotional one, one that has surrounded him every single day of his life. Just think about it. They pull him out of that, but there's no way that he can go back to that same environment. That would be a slow death. His brothers are never going to let him dream. 
They aren't going to let God's vision for his life come to pass. And the pit in the ground, sure, that would only last a few days. But this one, this would last for decades. If it doesn't kill him physically, it will kill his confidence. It will kill his joy. And it will kill his dreams. Because here's the lesson for us today. The real pit is any place where we can't grow into the person God has dreamed us to be. And though God didn't throw Joseph into this pit, God uses it to pull him out of that deeper one. The one that would never let him grow into God's dream for his life. Because here's the truth. Everything can't grow everywhere. Let me say that again. Everything can't grow everywhere. And we learned that in our text, but I also learned it last summer in my backyard. My husband and I hired a landscaper to do some landscaping around our new patio. And I thought that I would be a good customer. I'd help him out and I would present him with a list of the things that I wanted to see planted in my own garden of Eden. I told him I wanted to see peonies and hydrangea and roses and lavender. And you know what, Jill, he politely smiled. He thanked me for that list. And then do you know what he said? No. <laughs> I was flabbergasted. I was the customer. He was supposed to be listening to me. But he told me to look around. He said, see where the sun is rising and where it sets? And see where your garden is? There is not enough direct sunlight to support the things that you want to grow here. He told me that despite my preferences, what I dreamed for that space would never grow. And that's a word, a hard word for somebody here today. You've been trying to stay with people or in places where your dreams are not growing. And you're wondering why the dots aren't connecting, why God's big picture is not coming into view. And it might be that you're in a pit that you cannot see. It might be that you're in a pit where your dreams, God's dreams for your life, cannot grow. And while Joseph is sold off in a caravan where they think his dreams will go to die, they don't know that they've just released him from a deeper pit, a spiritual pit, a people who would never let his dream come into pass. Which begs the question for us today, is there a pit that God is calling you out of? Is there a place or a people that you need to walk away from so that God's dream for your life can come into view? As you consider your answer to that question this morning, let me offer one last thing that we learn from our text today. At first glance, it appears that this is a survival story of one, where Joseph survives the physical pit and the spiritual pit that his brothers have thrown him into. But what if I told you he wasn't the only survivor? What if I told you there wasn't one survivor, but 11? You see, when we read this story, we often place ourselves in the position of Joseph. And we should. 
We've all been thrown into pits or will be at some point along our faith journey. But who are we kidding? None of us is Joseph all of the time. In fact, if we're really honest, we move back and forth between being Joseph one minute and being his brothers another. Because at some point, all of us will throw somebody in a pit. Maybe it's not something that we do intentionally. Maybe it's something that we say or that we didn't say. Maybe it's something that we do or our unwillingness to do anything. But here's the truth. There have been people that could not grow around us. There have been people that God had to rescue from us. You see, this is as much about Joseph being rescued as it is about his brothers and as it is about you and I. They weren't aware what God was doing for them, and we aren't either. Because God does not just rescue us from the pits that we've survived. God helps us survive the pits that we have pushed other people into. In other words, we are here today because we have survived our own sins. We are survivors from the hands we used to push other people into pits and from the hands that others used to push us in. And as we come to the end of our message today, and I think about this theme of survivor, I think most of us associate that term with cancer survivors, with the grit and the grace and the faith that it takes to battle that disease. And there's a widely practiced tradition among cancer survivors that's believed to have started in 1996 when a rear admiral in the U.S. Navy was undergoing radiation for head and neck cancer. And when his treatment had come to a certain point, he told his doctor that he wanted to follow the Navy tradition of ringing the bell to signify that this part of the job was done. Now notice, he didn't ask to ring the bell when the cancer was in remission or when it looked like it would never return. He wanted to ring it then, right then, because he had survived thus far, because this leg of the journey was done. And so we did. And the ringing of the bell spread to hospitals around the country and is practiced widely today. And I thought it would be a good idea to borrow from that tradition this morning because I am surrounded by survivors. You are survivors. You have survived pits that people have pushed you into. You have survived pits that you pushed other people into. You have survived no exit doors, no nourishment, and the need for divine intervention. You have survived what other people know and what God only knows. 
And so, for all of the survivors, this is for you. Let us pray. Holy God, we're grateful today that you meet us in pits, in dark and desolate places. You are there, helping us to survive, helping us to make it, carrying us limping to the next finish line. We pray today, oh God, that you would help us to see that surviving is enough. That we would be able to see our own worth and dignity because we made it thus far. We know everything isn't perfect. We know we don't always get it right and sometimes You've had to rescue us from the sins we've inflicted on others. But, oh, Holy Spirit, you are with us even then, and you are with us now. So we pray that we just don't hear this message this morning, but that we live it. That our lives and our faith would resound out into the world because we are survivors simply because of you. Amen.
to our benediction and closing this morning, our SPRC chair, Julia, has a special presentation. Well, join me in celebrating today. It is Pastor Appreciation Sunday, so I'd ask Mary Eileen and Nicole and Jill and Paul to come up and join us. Um, as our appointed pastors, we are so grateful for their pastoral leadership and care for all of us and their inspiration. So we have a small token of appreciation for each of them. So, thank you. Oh, wow. Let's pray this survives. Right. <laughs> I already killed one, so. about survivors. We know that they survive because they tell the story. Because they're willing to talk about the pits that they have been in and how God has called them out of them. And I want to encourage you today not only to just be a survivor, but to tell the story. Because when you share that with someone else, it all of a sudden becomes possible that they could come out of that pit too. And that God still has a dream for their life. So leave this place, not only as a survivor, but as a storyteller. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, all of God's survivors said, Amen. Amen.